Smartcast. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hey guys, it's Jason Zook. I'm really excited about this upcoming episode featuring Corby Mitlieb, renowned psychic medium and author of her new book, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. In this episode, we discuss certain steps that you can take to prepare yourself in advance of selecting a psychic or intuitive for a reading. We also talk about the need for reputable psychics to police themselves by living up to a higher code of ethics when dealing with clients and the general public. I hope that you enjoy this episode, and thanks for supporting. Love Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zuck. Jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004. This show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality, mediumship, self-improvement, and intuitive guidance. Whatever interests you, remember that we are all here to share and learn. Sit back and get ready to socialize with the social psychic. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. Have you ever wondered about a psychic reading and whether or not you're actually selecting the proper candidate to give you a good reading? Have you ever been concerned after having a reading where you just didn't feel like it resonated with you, the information that you got from the person that you hired to give you a, say, a half hour reading, a phone reading, or something else? Today, I like the fact that we're gonna have Corby Mitlieb on the show. She's a psychic, a renowned psychic medium. Her new book, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys, provides an overview and a lot of information for you, the average person, to consider before hiring a psychic or going to somebody for psychic guidance or intuitive advice. The Psychic Yellow Brick Road is definitely, uh, I would say it's the first of its kind. It's the first type of book that I've heard about. Before we get into that, let's talk a little about Corby's background. Corby is a certified professional tower reader, certified psychic, a trained medium, and an ordained minister. Her work is showcased in Robert Schwartz's breakthrough series, Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift, highlighting her ability to retrieve clients' past lives in detail. With over 40 years of experience, Corby has seen it all. Active as a professional psychic medium since 1994, she's had multiple experiences with clients from every angle rookies, seasoned co-creators, skeptics. And she's dealt with the desperate, the delusional, and the ones who think psychics are a shortcut to gaining their heart's desires without lifting a finger for themselves. Why do some people have terrible experiences with a psychic, yet others seem to find a trusted psychic medium friend, I guess you can call it, somebody you, you use year after year as your trusted source when you are interested in delving into your own information, getting some intuitive advice. The Psychic Yellow Brick Road will help you navigate the world of professional psychics. It gives you clear, sharp, and practical information to assist you so that you'll know guidance, you know, a starting point. It's like an instructional manual in that particular respect. If you're a first-time client or a veteran explorer of the metaphysical realms, this book 
should be on your shelf so that you can look at it and consult with it anytime you have questions about what to do and how to expect the best experience as an individual hires a psychic medium as their client. It's a great pleasure that I bring Corby onto the show. Welcome to the show, Corby. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I, I really am glad we got a chance to link up and do this today. I want to get into, before we start with your book, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, I want to get into your background a little bit. Can you share with our audience how you first pursued your path as a psychic medium and intuitive uh, counselor, if that's a good word of saying it, amongst other things that you do? Share with us a little about your background and how you got involved in, in this particular area. Oh, God, this is what I call the 30-second elevator speech. When I was nine, <laughs> I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And instead of thinking, ooh, that's scary or ha, 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 my thought was, and your point is, I knew there was magic in the world, and I wanted to go find it. Fast forward to 1973. I was a senior in high school working part-time at Spencer Griff, and that's when Live and Let Die came out. And they had the James Bond 007 tarot deck, and I bought it. I mean, we were all hippies then. We had the elephant bells, the fringe jacket, and the deck. Five years later, everybody else had moved on to disco balls and roller skates, and I was still <laughs> reading the cards. They fascinated me, and I spent a great deal of time making sure that I could be a clear channel for the information to get out. My ego wasn't in the way. All of a sudden, in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's kind of when Spirit handed me my draft notice and said, greetings, you're working for us. Did it part-time until 9-11, when my husband and I watched the towers burn, and I turned to him and I said, I'm going to need to do the psychic work full-time. People need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe in you, go do it. So for a year, um, I was still working 70 hours a week as an executive recruiter for a woman who threw files at my head when she didn't like what I told her. After a year, I knew I could make a living at this. And, you know, to be perfectly blunt, I basically walked in, verbally peed on her desk and left. And I have never looked back. <laughs> so you gave your resignation. And you're like, I'm done with this. And you decided to go on yeah. your path after that. Very good. Bye, Felicia. I'm off. Yes. And and I have never worked in an office since. <laughs> and you liberated yourself from that <laughs> by pursuing your and goals it was wonderful. And, your, and, and your life path. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, I had always lived my sentence of passion, which is cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. But at the same time, I was doing that for everybody else and giving them the advantage. I wasn't doing it for me. Once I knew that I could make a living on my own, I just leapt for it. It was wonderful. Let's, let's get into 1994. So you had 2001 happen to you with 9-11 and that motivated you. But you said when you first started mm -hmm. doing the stuff in 94, you were able to naturally pick up on mediumship, some, some mediumship stuff as well as intuitive stuff. And I wanted to ask, did you do stuff professionally at that point? Or was it something that you, like with me, before I went out in 2007 and started doing my stuff professionally, I would be known by friends and family members to have some type of ability. And I would do it informally for people, but not charge them. Is that kind of like what you did for a while before you went professional? Or how, how was your Well, I always, in, in I always read tarot. I always read tarot okay. for other people. But the hands-on healing and the talking to dead people, I had been doing a lot of work trying to figure out my own past lives. And that's when all of a sudden I cleared that channel, if you will. And I truly feel that spirit opened up those channels 
when they saw that for 20 years I wasn't using tarot reading as a way to manipulate people or do anything specifically for my ego. It was truly, let's get you the information. And so Spirit said, okay, you've, you've done boot camp. Now let's see what you do with this. That's a great point. I know we were talking before the show started. I'll share this with the audience now as part of our interview. Uh, one of the things I like to do on occasion is, is call psychics myself because you can't really read for yourself as well. Some can, but I don't choose to do that. I think it's like trying to practice law for yourself. It would be very reckless. And one of the things I shared with you, and I just want to share this with our audience, when I was in college um, many years ago, <laughs> I went home to New Jersey and saw my family, and I decided on my college break during my freshman year to go see a local psychic in New Jersey, northern Jersey. And I went into this really nice brick-and-mortar location with a lot of flashy lights, and it said psychic medium, psychic here, you know, that kind of thing. Walked in thinking I'm going to be having a legit person. I had a $50 bill with me. I was not a wealthy person at all. I was a college student. So that $50 meant a lot for me to go. And I went, and all I remember is this person had one of those, it looked like the Miss Cleo, the, the actual, you know, what you think of in your head, the stereotype of what some of these psychic people would be like, the, the, uh, the little headband, and she seemed to have an air of mystery about her. And I sat in front of her and I said, okay, right. can you give me some general, some information about my future path and, and college years? And all she did was give me these pleasantries and generalities, and I saw right through it at my early age, and I asked her if she could be more specific, and I kept repeating that question to her. She got so frustrated, she crumbled up that $50 bill and threw it at me and told me to get out of her place. And I remember leaving and thinking to myself, wow, how does this lady have, how does this psychic have a brick and mortar? How is she set up, yet she treated me so badly as a potential client that sat in front of her? And, and one of my questions I want to ask you is, if I had the benefit of your book, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, in front of me back then, what type of mm -hmm. guidance would that have given me to avoid being in that type of a situation? Well, for one thing, I would have told you, don't just walk into a psychic that you don't know, because there isn't really a better business bureau for psychics. So it is very much caveat emptor, buyer beware. And there are some very simple things that you can do to check and see if this person is legit. Number one, do a little deep dish research. I don't know how long ago uh, college was for you, but now people have websites. And on the websites, you will find out what's their background. Do they have any kind of certifications? For instance, uh, I'm a member of the American Tarot As uh, Association, and I am a certified professional tarot reader, which was an oral exam from the executive director, not do you know the cards, but what do you do with them? How do you switch around to spread? How do you uh, help your client reframe their question to make sure it will give them the information that they're looking for. Not it will give them happy news, but it will give them useful information around the subject they're inquiring about. Go and get some uh, recommendations if you find this person. Uh, I actually have uh, a mnemonic that I tell you to use. It's uh, psychic, P-S-Y-C-H-I-C. And so professionalism is what we just talked about. The other one is sharing references. And that's where you need to go and talk to the psychic. Say, I'm looking at coming to you. Can I please talk to a couple of people that you've read for? And all of us who are real pros have that list. And then you can ask them things like, were you comfortable with 
Madame Hoo-ha? Did she charge fairly? Was the information accurate or useful? Why or why not? How hard is it to get an appointment? Does she try to upsell you mojo bags and candles? And would you go back? You need to do this for one thing to make sure that you're not getting um, someone who's a one trick pony who always says the same thing to everybody else. You have to know upfront what they, yep. You have to know upfront what they charge. You have to make sure that they're not going to do things like, yes, I can uh, make this person leave their husband and go to you, or I'll give you the lottery numbers, or I can make your neighbor move away. That's all crap. And then the inappropriate actions. You don't want someone who tells you that they knew you in a past life, so now you have to take care of them and give them money. They don't make moves on you sexually. I mean, there's a lot that you have to do because there are not actual bodies of legal control. That's what There's, they do. Yeah. And it's why I generally tell you, don't go to see the Madame Hoo-Has and the Swami Swalandas that have the neon signs with the crystal balls and the big hand in the window. It's almost guaranteed they're awful. <laughs> I have – there's a lot of the news down here in Florida. That's where I'm out of Tampa. There was a recently a mother-daughter team that got um, fined and put in jail felony convictions for defrauding two individuals. I made about I, I, mm-hmm. the exact amount of the money they made. It was astronomical, six digits. I know. And I was scratching my head thinking to myself, how could somebody take advantage of somebody who comes to you for a reading? Because a lot of the people who come see me, they, they seem to be looking for something and they're going through something traumatic or they might just have some insecurities. And for someone to prey on the general public like that, it just sickens me. And one of the things I want to ask you is, have you encountered personally other intuitives who claim to be a tu- other people who claim to be psychic? When maybe one of your clients went to them, and you were just sickened by the oh. way they handled your. Ooh, I wanted to I see what that kind. Of, how did you confront you. the person? Tell us all about. It. I just was curious. <laughs> well, this is the reason that I wrote the book, and this is maybe 15 years ago when I was uh, reading in Canada when I was a real road warrior, and there were 150 booths. It was a very very large show, and right across the way was the fake gypsy type. Now gypsies and Roma, they're real. But the fake gypsy is the one that does the headscarf and the jingling jewelry and the long skirt and the bad Russian accent. You know, you can be gypsy too. So she sees this woman walking by her booth and she runs out and grabs her. Well, that's called hooking. And it's as bad as the other kind of hooking. We, we don't do that. And then she says, oh, you no need to pay for 30 dollars $40, $50 over there. I read your thumb for 10 She drags the woman into the booth and we all see her, the woman leave crying hysterically 20 minutes later. We go to find out what happened. And she got in there, and apparently the fake gypsy said to her, you have a family curse. How many in your family? Four? You have dog? Oh, $50 every family <laughs> member, 25 for dog. We fix. And she told the woman that if she didn't burn 400 specially blessed candles at the Roman Catholic Church, I bless real good, only $1 candle, her entire family was going to die in a car accident in two weeks. That's why you get your referrals. You do. You know, one thing I'm thinking about right now, online reviews, things through Yelp, uh, Google reviews, I started accumulating those. Have you encountered how that factors into your approach uh, to give guidance to the general public? Is that something in your book that you talk about? Or if not, how would you change Anything about your strategy or approach to count for online reviews and what other people have to say, those kind of things? Well, I have online reviews. I have them several places. I have them on Google. 
I have them on my business page, Fire Through Spirit, on Facebook, and I have them on my website. And they are not just, wow, she's great. They talk about why they liked what they had. They talk about the reading itself. They talk about my methodologies. It's clearly not, and there's always a different voice. So it's clearly not things that I made up. Also, again, at least 25 to 30 of those people have said, if you ever need someone uh, you know, who needs a, a live reference, you have them call me. I'll be happy to talk about them. Because that's one of the things that you want to see. Do people just say, wow, she's amazing. Wow, I can't believe it. Or do they say things like, she used numerology, which was amazingly accurate, and she was able to pick up on the problems that I've been having with my boyfriend. Interesting. That's yeah. what you're looking for, the details. And that's something I find very, very valid as well. Because I think with a good review, with you know, several five-star reviews and very few one-star reviews kind of thing, that at least gives someone a starting point to look at. Mm-hmm. Have you had anyone you've counseled, utilized the information contained in your book, and they come back and told you their own horror stories, even after they had tried to apply some of the scrutiny that you are suggesting about finding a candidate as a psychic? People generally come back and say, I wish I had known when, but I make people do their due diligence. And the other thing is, you know, this is my book. I can't hold hands with you when you're in Milwaukee and you decide to go into you know, Swami Swalanda. It's And the other thing is people need to remember, even the best of us are only 85% accurate. The only one who's 100% accurate is God, and he's not doing phone readings lately, as far as I know. So you're going to take a chance. And, you know, sometimes we don't connect with people. We just don't. Now, an ethical professional intuitive will say, I'm sorry, I'm not connecting, and give them their money back. But that's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah, people are surprised when I do that. Uh, I didn't interrupt you. Sorry. I want to ask you this. Oh, the title of your book, okay. the, the Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards yep. and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. I love this reference to the Wizard of Oz. I wanted to ask you how you came up with your title and what motivated you to call it what it is. Well, we were looking for a catchy title. You know, this is not I meditated for 30 million years. I had the most wonderful editor. Her name is Bernie Young. And she and I were trying to find something other than Psychics 101, Psychic Boot Camp, And she said, well, what's the purpose of the book? And I said, they need to find the real wizards, you know, and avoid the flying monkeys. And that's when the psychic yellow brick road just hit both of us. And it was boom, right there. And, you know, we talk about the psychic road, the the spiritual road. And so the idea of a, a psychic road on this, that people would walk their path also made a lot of sense. That's phenomenal. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Can you share with our audience? a couple of tips that you would suggest from your book about how to prepare for a great psychic session? Oh, piece of cake. I love mnemonics. What's a mnemonic out there? PTA, Parent Teacher Association. It's when you have a word that helps you remember stuff. And the mnemonic for how to prep is the word answer. And I'm not going to go through everything, but write these down, guys. Accept responsibility for your part in the session. No pop quizzes no comparisons, state your intentions clearly, widen your horizons, evaluate your information and respond to the universe. Now, the one I'm going to talk about is state your intentions clearly, because I have had a lot of people say, 
Well, I thought that a good psychic, you just sit in front of them and they just tell you everything in the world. And if you have to give them a question, they're bad. No. Um, <laughs> we all have different ways of working. And if you're with me for half an hour, I don't care how fast I talk. And I'm a New Yorker. I talk fast. I may get from A to L in your life encyclopedia. If what you wanted to know was back at Q, you'd say, oh, she's lousy. She didn't tell me anything. So. Let's say you come in and you specifically say to me, I really want to know about my career. Can we talk about that? I, fine. Then I would ask one clarification question. You want to stay where you are, change jobs, but somebody else is still working, you know, paying your paycheck, or an entrepreneur. Why do I ask that? I have three multiple card spreads that give you deep dish information on each of those situations. If you want to stay where you are, it's you, the person ahead of you, the person who's their boss, boom, boom, boom. Uh, other people you work with, clients, politics, finances, what you need to know and best possible outcome. Now, if you want to open your own business, the questions are different. You, the energy around the business, the brick and mortar location, how to market it, clients, competition, staff, finances, what you need to know and best possible outcome. See? So for me to not just flip a few cards and say, wait until August and fire the redhead or no, you're not going to get a raise this year, but I see you working there three years. What does that do for you? There's no power in your hands. My whole point of being a reader is to empower you. What I tell people is, remember, we're the toolbox. We're not the repairman. We can show you here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff and how to get through it around it. Here's your toolbox. Now you go out and rock and roll. And when you do it that yeah, way, it. it's much less likely that the psychic will then say, because you have a curse and here's the $600 candle you have to buy. You know, that's so interesting you say that because recently I had one of my returning clients, so I respect very well. I've been reading with her for about two years, and she called me. She texted me one day because I communicate via text with my busy schedule, and she said, do you do anything to get rid of curses my daughter thinks she has a curse that somebody put on her and i was like i don't do curses <laughs> i do strictly reading mediumship and intuitive guidance of what i can get somebody but i didn't know what recommendations do you make to somebody when they ask you that kind of question because my automatic response when someone's telling me they're going to relieve a curse is contact the attorney general's office for the jurisdiction that that's taking place because i don't see how that could be even measured and that whether or not the results of that could even be quantifiable. And how could somebody charge somebody, how could someone charge a client a service for something that you can't accurately gauge from the time it, the person is given the task to the time they claim that it's carried out? And I, I wanted to ask you about that as well. All right. As far as I'm concerned, curses, uh, if you believe them, they're real. Okay. Okay. But it's also a matter of understanding when it, it's not your bailiwick. Mm -hmm. In a case like that, when somebody's convinced they're cursed, I would send them to someone who I consider a reputable helper for something like that. And for instance, there is something called brujeria, which is witchcraft that is, I believe, uh, Latin American-based, Mexico. I know someone in California. Her name is Katrina Rasbolt. She's written dozens of books for, for Llewellyn. And she is the real deal. So for something like that, I might say, you want to talk to Katrina. Please tell her I sent you. Because, again, okay. we can't read everybody. You know that. Sure. For instance, medical intuitive stuff, 
If you've got something seriously wrong, I will say to you, please go to my friend, Stacy Wells. She's the best medical intuitive in the U.S. She got stuff on me that the doctors missed. On the other hand, a friend of mine who doesn't do past lives would say, you know, I don't do past lives, but can I suggest that you go to Corby Midlife? She is a past life specialist. That, again, is the mark of a professional intuitive. We may not do what you need, but we probably will know somebody reputable who does. So if we say we can't do this for you, don't be afraid to ask, do you have a suggestion of someone else I could go to? We don't take offense at that. This is simply a matter of taking care of our clients the right way. Definitely. I will say this. In terms of people who come to me for readings, and you probably have experienced this yourself, and I think your book touches on this a little bit, there are certain situations where someone tries to come to you, and I will meet with them, and once I realize it's not a good constructive environment for a reading, either they're not open to receiving it, what you're trying to tell them, or they're just not there in the mindset of wanting to heal or gain information or insight. I'll give you one example to kind of express what I'm talking about. I had a client come to me about a year or two ago. And it was a mother-daughter team, and they came to see me, and they wanted it specifically at 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. And I was a little perplexed by it. I was like, okay, we'll do 2 o'clock on Saturday. Come to my office. Let's sit down. Let's do this. And literally, we sat down, and I started picking, and they didn't tell me any details, but I started picking up on a male figure who's a husband and the father of the two in front of me, and that this person had committed suicide many years before. And I started to relay that, and I started to say, well, this person wants to express sadness and, and wants to really ask for their forgiveness. And the response I got was crossed arms, bad body language, closed off, screaming at me, yelling and screaming at the person trying to come through, the deceased loved one. And I stopped the session. I was like, we can't do this. First off, I'm not subjecting myself to getting yelled at for a half hour to an hour by two people I don't know. Secondly, Anything that's constructive is beneficial, but when it's not constructive, I told them they need to go see a grief counselor or some type of counselor that I'm not, I can't offer that. And I literally gave them back their, their money and, and said, have a nice day. And I didn't know if you've encountered people who come to you when they're just not in the right mindset for a reading. And I wanted to see if you could share your opinion about that. Oh, God, I have an entire chapter called When Getting a Reading Won't Help. Now, I'll give you a couple of examples. <laughs> the client feels they absolutely must hear a certain answer to a question. And you and every other intuitive listening to this is going to be on the floor because we've all had this. Does Bruce think about me? No. Has he ever thought about me? Not the way you want. If I do such and such, will he think about me? No. Is he going to call soon? <laughs> he isn't. Well, if he isn't going to call soon, will he call later? Notice that this person is so desperate for a relationship, she won't accept it isn't what he wants. And she beats on us until we finally say, Yes, he loves you and wants seven babies with you, but he just doesn't know it yet. Oh, good. You know, it drives <laughs> us nuts. Or um, sure. the woman is very negative. My supervisor at work is mean to me. Is she going to get any nicer? No. Is her supervisor going to make her stop harassing me? No. Is she going to fire me? No. But if she doesn't like people, she fires them. Are you sure she won't fire me? It doesn't appear so in anything I'm seeing. I have a meeting with her tomorrow. Is she going to fire me then or should I quit first? You know, it's like being our heads against the wall. <laughs> Guys, don't keep going to a psychic to find the answer you want. We tell you what we see. You pay us for honesty, not nicey-nicey. <laughs> it's true. Have you had people who are intuitive tell you about 
an experience where you just, it resonated that they were unethical in their approach in terms of a reading situation or somebody they may have encountered and it rubbed you the wrong way when you heard them discuss it with you? I think I know what you're talking about. And what I will tell you about is, um, again, this is 15, 20 years ago. You don't, number one, you don't predict a death. No psychic should ever predict a death. Why is this? Because, number one, we have three or four or five exit points that we plan in our pre-birth planning session. And the psychic may see one, but it doesn't mean that's necessarily it. You don't want to put that thought in someone's head because if they obsess about it, it's just calling it in. So uh, there was somebody who was reading a gentleman at a psychic fair in Syracuse. And this guy had clearly had jaw cancer. Half his face was gone. He couldn't speak. And his wife was there speaking for him. And the psychic threw down some cards, looked at him and said, seven months, that's all you got. Sorry. And the promoter of the fair and I and my mediumship teacher all converged on that table, pulled him out of there, explained how unethical and unreasonable and wrong that was. And that person was told to pack up and leave. And she was banned from shows in about four states. So, yes. So interesting. Yeah, I could see that. (laughs) I would definitely I would definitely not advise anyone who's trying to be intuitive to give a reading and predict the date of someone's death or the approximate range of how long they have left to live. I think that that would be complete malpractice as an intuitive. And it's a disservice to your client who's coming in front of you. How do you? That's it literally is in my tarot code of ethics as well. I will never predict death. The future is malleable. Putting information like that in someone's head could make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. It's like when people ask me about relationships, am I going to find the one for myself? And I I, I had that proven wrong. In other words, I was humbled early in my my journey with this stuff when I, a couple was talking to me from uh, friends of friends. And I, they asked me if they're going to have any children. And I said, I don't know. I might see three. This was early on in my situation. And the husband went and got snip, snip vasectomy to prove me that they'd only have two kids. So I use that as my basis to say free will does really trump any information that we can say on certain things like relationships where you take two to tango. It's two people in the relationship mm-hmm. to work together to communicate and, and, and express everything that needs to be handled or to correct their issues with each other. And when anyone asks me, do you see me with the one? Is the one coming to me? I always say you can determine that yourself with the other person. Free will trumps what uh, it'd be irresponsible for you to say this one's going to be your soulmate, your twin flame. This is the one. And I, I didn't know if that was something that you've also experienced to advise people not to tell them about because of the importance of free will when it comes to information they might receive during a reading. Well, I don't, I don't say don't tell it, but I always use it differently. For instance, if let's take Susie and she says, I'm dating Bruce. How does he feel about me? A card for her, a card for Bruce, a card for the relationship as it stands, what she needs to know and best possible outcome. So notice that doesn't okay. say yes or no. That just says where we are. She says, I still don't know if I should stay with him. Then I do my three threes. Three cards for status quo. You do nothing, but you just bumble along in the relationship. Three cards for a come to Jesus meeting where you all have serious counseling and talk about things. Three cards, hospital, bye-bye, I'm so gone, I'm done. And she leaves. Now, I don't tell her which one to choose. That's up to her. 
I mean, the you got to leave card may be blinking like Beetlejuice to me. But if she says, well, I guess I'll just sit it out, I have to zip it because it's her free will. When she says, am I ever going to see somebody? I laugh and I say, well, that's the where the hell is he question. And I get that a lot. And I actually use two decks for this. The first one is one of my Oracle decks. It's by John Gray, the guy who wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And I pulled a four and four. Four cards that tell her what she needs to bring to the table in order to make the relationship work. Then four cards. If the dude doesn't have these, honey, it's a non-starter. Don't bother. But then we go month to month for three years and see what's there. And I don't just go for one. These are the possibilities for our long-term relationships. And there are always... In the deck, there are six possibilities to me, seven, actually. You've got the four court cards for whatever their age is. You've got the Ace of Cups, which is the walk into wall, stupid and love card. You've got the Two of Cups, which is the meeting of the minds card. And you've got the lover's card, which is the good choice card. And that's usually you start friends and then you become lovers. And if they say, well, how come it's not just one person? I said, if we all just had one person, how come people get divorced and that you know, dawn breaks over Marblehead? The other way I explain it to them is, look, I could say there's this blonde-haired guy whose parents are from Geneva, Switzerland. He's a lawyer and he lives in Chicago and you're going to meet him at a seminar and maybe that would be great. But then there's this performance artist in Brooklyn whose parents are from L.A. and you meet him at a bar in Queens and he could be just as good a partner for you and you would have – just as much of an opportunity to fulfill your life purpose, etc., with him. But because I said Geneva guy is it, I've taken away some of your free will. There are always more than one possibility for us. Always. I definitely agree with that, especially when it comes to potential outcomes of the situation. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, with reference to your book. Yeah. Why do you think I've Googled this and looked it up? Why do you think this book has not the topic of this? book, your topic, has not been approached before? I think that if you read books like this, they're generally written by people who want to tell you, yeah, my aura don't stink and I'm the good one and you should come to me. And I'm the exact opposite. If you read this book and you never come to me, but it keeps you safe with somebody else, I am content. I also happen to be, please forgive the ego, a damn fine and funny writer. I always have been. (laughs) So I'm able to put this together in ways that people understand. And very often people are just afraid to say, this is what I believe, because they could get attacked by other psychics who say, oh, she's wrong, blah, blah, blah. And I have been attacked by psychics who say, I never ask any questions of a client, so you're a fake. Yeah, well, maybe they give you the vague information. You don't know. But I have been reading basically full time since 2002. I read between 1,000 and 1,200 people a year. You can't do that for almost 20 years and be a fake. You're not going to have the staying power. You certainly are not going to have international clients the way I do. So I trust that what I do is right. I trust that my clients feel empowered. And there is nothing that I said in that book that I would be afraid to say to a law enforcement officer either. That's part of it. I can understand that. You know, a lot of people look at intuitives and psychic mediums. I know there's a lot of reality shows out there that showcase the lives of some of these individuals, but I know the general public still hasn't put their arms around it as a legitimate 
And I think breakthroughs are being made with, the, with you know, less Miss Cleos out there and more legitimate professional people who are, are making this a very serious endeavor for themselves and are taking the ethical route and doing things the way that would be upstanding and, and would stay away from scrutiny. One of the questions I want to ask you about is, do you, have you found in the last 20 years or so that you've been involved with this, well, since 2002 professionally, have you seen societal attitudes change yourself from your perspective from when you first started out years ago to now? And if so, what has been the biggest change that you've noticed? People are a little bit less afraid, but unfortunately, there are also people who say, well, you know, I used to read tarot cards when I was in high school and I just retired. I'm 65. I think I'll start doing that part time. <laughs> so you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, it's, it, one of the other reasons this book is important now, because a lot of people want to go to psychics. I mean, Oprah's had stuff on. Uh, Dr. Oz had stuff on. Um, so we're out of out of the woodwork for now. Um, people still ask me, do I believe in God? Yes. Who do you think told me what <laughs> I was supposed to do? Um, uh, and do you believe in curses? And one of the other things that I love is, well, you know, uh, you shouldn't be charging for this because if it's a gift from God, it's free. So you should read me for free. Guys, I hate to tell you, but we need to charge for what we do, especially if it is our living. But that's why Very if true. you're going to put your hard-earned money out there, do your research. Make sure that we are appropriate for you. I call that pay fair to play fair. What is your recommendation if somebody who feels like they had a bad reading from a psychic? What type of accountability should exist to govern the bad psychics, so to speak? Because there's always bad people in every professional aspect. The thing I have to remind you is you took part in that reading. Okay, they didn't barge into your house. Sometimes they do what I call drive-by psychic shootings, which I really, that's the woman who walks up to you in a store and says, I have a message from your Aunt Doris. She says that your car has a bull tire in the back, and you're going to have an accident and die in two weeks if you don't get it fixed. Just telling you when she walks away. Who the f are you? You know, yeah. you don't go accosting people in the, and, and forgive me, I'm going to say, when you see that happen on a reality show, I guarantee you six ways to Sunday that didn't happen. They cased the store for a month. They saw who the regulars were. They picked out their people, they being the production company. They talked to them. They said, we'd like you to sign this release form and blah, 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 and then they film it. There was a ghost hunting show that came to my husband's museum about 10 years ago because it originally was a, a Revolutionary War fort. It's called the Old Stone Fort. And so you always see the vans go pulling up front and everybody goes pelling out. Well, number one, all the vans were from L.A., but they put Rhode Island plates over them. And then it was, you heard the guy, all right, take one, pull up in front of the fort, take it back, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> They're shows, guys. They're shows. So please, please, please don't believe them. Don't believe them. That's like comparing the experience of witnessing and observing a political the white house and uh, on the west wing <laughs> you can't take reality yeah. and apply it to what's entertaining on a show on tv <laughs> or even you know an actual trial in boston legal trust me alan shore would not get away with most of what he did on the show 
Uh, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't expect us to do what is done on the show. Even people who have reality shows, and I know a couple of them, are very different off the show. I could see that they would assume like a, an entertaining character, so to speak. On a, and, and a lot of those reality shows are pre-scripted, like you said. So that would make a lot of sense. There has to be some acting value in order to appeal to a broader audience than just of course. a small segment and, that and they have highly well, interested in this. There was one sure. reality show, I'm not going to say who, what, what, but I was afraid to say, oh, good. You know, we noticed that you weren't keen on uh, this person's product. We really need a villain. Would you come in and say as a psychic, you blow? I said, are you kidding? You want to, I know what you do to psychics on reality shows. You want to trash me and my business? Hell no. So, yes, they are scripted. It doesn't mean that the psychic is not legitimate, but, it, you know, it's, you always have to be careful with the medium shows. Even like John Edward. Everybody loves John Edward. What you're seeing is 90 minutes from four eight hour days. See that difference? It gets compacted. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. They words, only show you the good more footage. Yeah, a lot of footage gets cut out of it, and then they clip it together and into a nice little compact episode. <laughs> and real life isn't That's like right. it's not as That's compact right. or as, as easy to piece together. <laughs> oh, would that it were. I mean, let's, let's talk about spirit guides and angels, because that's always brought up in psychic circles, mm. intuitive circles. Can you share with our audience your opinion on the difference between a spirit guide and an angel? Okay, I want everybody to envision a donut. If you remember Venn diagrams in math, you know, those where the two circles intersect and the little part in the middle is the special part. Well, if you picture a donut, the angels are the whole and the spirit guides are the donut, meaning all angels are spirit guides, but not all spirit guides are angels. Everybody's got at least one angel and they are with us from birth to death and they have our names in their tunics like little cam tags, you know, I belong to John. Spirit guides grow and change as we do, meaning the spirit guide that you have when you're 12 may be a different spirit guide than the one you have when you're 42. You don't have the same teacher from kindergarten to PhD either. Spirit guides can be dead people who love you, dead people from other lives who love you, avatars, elementals. There can be angels as well. It's even ETs, even ETs. I mean, there are a lot of people who think that their spirit guide is from the you know, Pleiades. Uh, I've never had that myself, but I can't discount it. I've never been to the Pleiades. Don't know. But there are certain things that I absolutely want to tell people about spirit guides to make sure that they stay safe. There are some very specific things that a spirit guide or angel will not do. And if you hear these kinds of things from that little voice in your head, put it on the do not use shelf because it's not real. A spirit guide or an angel will never chastise you in a sharp or mean fashion, putting you down. It will never pump up your ego at the expense of someone else. It will never try to guilt you into doing something. It will never encourage you to do something that's illegal, immoral, harmful, or against your highest good. Something that your gut knows is wrong or not in your best interest. You get any of that, run, 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 guys. That's just a voice in your head, and it ain't one you want to listen to. (laughs) I want to ask you about, let's say someone in the audience recently went to a psychic and the information they got from their reading just made them feel worse than before they showed up for the reading. What type of mm-hmm. suggestion would you give that person on how to handle a negative aspect of a reading and what, what they should, how, how should they view it and what should they do about it? Well, a very simple thing that will help you is write it down and burn it. That's just, a, write and burn is 
classic in spiritual, metaphysical, anything. Just let the universe handle it. And the other one is to remember free will. Okay? Okay. I'm a past life specialist. And people very often say to me, well, how can we have free will and predestination? You know, we've planned this out in our pre-birth plan. And the way I explain it is, look, let's say you went to college. You decided to be a history major. Great. You could take gut courses, you know, Swedish in basket weaving, or you could do double major plus lab, which is really nose to the grindstone. Either way, you're going to graduate with a history degree. You can turn away from a negative kind of thing. You can turn away from uh, the nervous Nelly types. You can turn away from anything that scares you. But there's always a but. Listen very carefully to what they said. I will always tell you, get a recording of the session so you can go over it again, because you'll never remember everything. And if you're taking notes, you're not listening. With me, unless it's like my two-minute lightning readings at corporate events, you're going to get either a CD or an MP3 download. I'm not afraid for you to have that. I put you know, my rep on what I said. And then see if you remember what was said correctly. See if it was as exact. For instance, let's take a tarot card. It's the tower card. Everybody sees that as doom, gloom, and destruction. And if you're asking about your finances and the tower card comes up, someone who's not a good reader could say, oh, I see catastrophes coming. It's going to be really bad. Me, reading for over 40 years, I'm going to say, I want you to look at that card like the imploding sports stadium. Seattle, okay. is Seattle Man- Mariners, if they're still there. The Mariners want to build a new stadium. They have to blow up the old one. So if that tower card comes up for you, around your finances, realize that things may get dicey for a while. First thing you do is you simplify. You make sure that you know where your income is. You remind yourself that your income is not from your employer. Your income is you, and you take your abilities with you wherever you go. It's a heads-up card. If someone sees the death card, no, it doesn't mean you're going to be hit by a bus on Tuesday. It's death of an old way of life, death of what you've outgrown, death of what was never you in the first place. So look at what needs changing. See how that it pulls the sting out of the kind of thing that you might hear. Always remember, even the cards are not black and white. And that's important to know. There's one particular card called the Three of Pentacles that has a certain kind of meaning normally in tarot, but I've been reading long enough that I trust when spirit wants to nudge the meaning a bit. That card came up for a couple that I read in Kitchener, Ontario. The card, the traditional card, looks like a church stained glass window and somebody working on it. And what came out of my mouth was, there's a deconsecrated or abandoned church, and that's where you need to open up your cafe bakery, which they hadn't told me they wanted to open. They look at each other, and they look at me, and they say, we've been passing one and arguing for two years. I went, well, duh. Now, it didn't say that they would be absolutely wonderfully successful, but the card's are comfortable enough with me that they said, this is the particular piece of information that will help them. It's meant to be helpful. And even if it's scary stuff, see what you need to do with it. And you know, one more, all my good stories from Canada. I used to go to Canada in Kitchener three times a year, January, Victoria Day, and Labor Day. Labor Day, I read cards for a woman, and there were some challenges that I told her about. And she gets up and she says, you fuck, and she walks away. Okay, fine. January, I'm back, and who's the first person sitting in my seat? 
she says, last time I said you sucked. And I said, yes, <laughs> I remember. She said, because you told me that I was going to have to take in a border and then I was going to want to sell my house. And I thought that was all bull. But <laughs> then my daughter got pregnant and moved home. And now I'm going to sell my house so I can raise my grandson. And I still want to know what you see. I don't like <laughs> you, though. And I just said, don't shoot the messenger. So if we see something, realize you can – she could have decided not to let her daughter move home and not to sell the house to find another way to finance her grandson. But I saw options of hers, and she took them. doesn't mean I forced her into it. It means she made her choice. Is that pretty much answering what, what that question was about four minutes ago? No, no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Part of this, okay. I, and I think we've discussed this. You've been on other podcasts. Sometimes I like – the dynamic that just unfolds through us discussing these topics. And I think our audience enjoys, sometimes we'll go on to other topics as part of the larger question, but I always like the fact that you get to contemporaneously share your thoughts onto the topic we're discussing. So that's perfectly fine. I want to ask you, because we're running, we're running low on time. If you could believe this, how fast this went today. Really? <laughs> we have about oh eight God. minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. Eep. I want to ask you this in reference. And this is one of the things we discussed before our interview about a week or so ago, the idea of a psychic code of ethics or a code of ethics to govern intuitives and some type of uniform uh, aspirational concept to help anyone who's interested in possibly becoming intuitive or for people who are already out there. What do you think about that? Because I would love to see that. And I've done research on this a while back. When I first started out on my own, I went to compare the psychic ethical aspect of it based on my training as an attorney, because we have very high ethical standards we have to follow with many rules and the Bar Association regu re regulates us. When it comes to being a psychic, there's nothing like that through the state and nothing like that through the federal government. And I wanted to ask you, do you think something like that will be created, a, a, bar, a body that oversees and registers and licenses and requires ethical understandings and, and, and governing intuitive and psychic uh, individuals. Do you see that as something possible in the future and not so far from now? Or what is your viewpoint on that? My viewpoint is, uh, as long as people don't take what we do seriously, no one will bother. We have to be self-policing, which is why one of the requirements to be a certified professional tarot reader was to write my own code of ethics. And I did. And, you know, I'm happy to send it to you. And if anybody out there wants a copy of mine, sure, absolutely. Because you need to know what is correct behavior. And I am not the be all and end all, but by God, I've read long enough and seen enough that I know what is proper and what isn't. And Definitely. so, like Absolutely. I say, if, if you guys are listening and you're thinking about doing this, please, it isn't the Wild West. You owe your clients compassion, honesty, responsibility, and boundaries. Definitely. I'm going to ask you one last question because of the time constraints we're under. Where do you see the future of this professional aspect of being an intuitive psychic? Where do you see the future of the, of the actual, I'd say, not the industry, but the professional aspect of it? Where do you see the profession going moving forward? And, and, and why? Well, we'll never be replaced by an AI. That's the good part. <laughs> I think that people are going to, you're going to have what I call your A-listers, and you're going to have the occasionals. Where you live is going to determine what you can do. I'm afraid that 
if this becomes a very evangelical dominionist country, we may have to go underground again. I know that Canada, it was always easier to read than America. One of the reasons I became a reverend is so if anybody in the South says, oh, you're doing fortune telling and that's against the law, I can say, no, I'm reverend. It's pastoral counseling. Oh, sorry, Rev. It's okay. Because they do. <laughs> that's happened to me. And so what I would say is the more we can police ourselves, the less likely it is that we'll all get shut down. We will probably never, at least not in my lifetime, be completely legitimized. So we have to behave like Caesar's wife, clearer than <laughs> to anybody else. We just do. Very valid point. <laughs> I, if you'd like to share your code of ethics, if you have a link or something, I'd love, or I could, I, if it's on your website, I could put the link underneath the program notes to the show. Sure. I, I, I would either enjoy that. that or I can send it right to you, and I would be happy to do that. Okay, thank you. So, let me let me ask you, Corby, share your website yeah. with our audience and where they can contact you through either social media or what's your preferred venue of contact. Oh, I'm so easy to find. I'm all over the place. My website is corbymitleid.com. C O R B I E M I T L E I D. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, my page is Fire Through Spirit. You can find me, Corby Mitleid, on Twitter. You can find me, uh, Corby Mitleid, on Instagram, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. You can't not find me. Corby, it's a pleasure having you on today. I I really appreciate you sharing your information from the Psychic Yellow Brick Road with us. And I encourage our audience to check this book out and check out your information, look at your website. And if anyone has any questions about this particular topic, to reach out to you directly. It was great being with you. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was great. It's a great way to handle uh, this topic. And it, and it really intrigued me that you have this out there because I didn't know about it until we talked. And I'm so happy that I could introduce this to our audience. And hopefully some of our, our listeners will check this out directly. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. <laughs> and keep us posted if you have other, other new things coming out or, or more information that we would, I would love to have you back on again. You got it. Promise. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. I'd like to wrap up our episode by just thanking Corby for showing such an interest in this topic, trying to get some guidance based on her life experience and her 40 years of wealth of experience as a renowned psychic medium and certified tarot reader, as well as a past life regression expert and an ordained minister. Corby definitely, in my opinion, has a great starting point for anyone who's really interested in this stuff and wants to find the right person to fit their expectations before they walk into a reading, check this book out. If you have any questions about this particular topic, I encourage you also to reach out to myself or Corby directly. The book is called The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. And I definitely love that Wizard of Oz theme to her book. We're going to have more episodes coming up. If anyone would like to reach out to me directly regarding either the show or any of these topic areas, feel free to reach out to me at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. I, I appreciate everyone supporting the show and listening to this episode and others. And thank you so much. Until next time, keep an open mind. And I can't wait to have more topics and, and interesting perspectives to hopefully help with shifting paradigms and expanding viewpoints. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. 
don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Are you looking for that perfect gift to express your appreciation for your loved one or bestie? Well, look no further. Royal Susie offers one-of-a-kind designs with genuine high-quality crystals, stones, and the most precious of metals that are guaranteed to satisfy the urges of your inner king or queen. Each piece is handcrafted with love and is sure to inspire and captivate all. Indulge yourself by visiting Royal Susie's website at www.royalsusie.com for splendid items like agate bookends, impressively crystal-studded bottle stoppers, and beautifully handcrafted nightlights that will charm every room in your home. Royal Susie's featured collections will truly delight your guests and always make them feel welcome. Any questions? Contact Royal Susie directly by email at royalsusiedesigns at yahoo.com. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.